Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. Well, let's just go to the Father this morning. Father God, I just, we love you. We thank you, Father God, that as we sang those songs this morning, you were just ministering to my heart that indeed you are a good, good Father. You're the best. You're the best. And Father, that's who you are. And to know that, that who we are is, is just that we're loved by you. That's our, that's our identity, is that we are loved by you. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you so much for the word. I ask that, uh, that you just anoint my teaching this morning, my preaching this morning, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, just ask that you be with me, Lord, as I share your word and ask that the, that the ears of the people are open, that they might receive it and that the ears of their spiritual life will be opened up into the word of God and that it will make a great change. The Word of God makes changes, and Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. All the time. All the time. Okay, let's get that right. <laughs> we can't start off on a wrong foot. God is good all the time. Well, uh, I'm going to just jump into it. Is that okay? I've got some really cool things to share, and, uh, and it's just blessed my heart for the last two weeks. I have been so blessed by the Word of God, and just uh, getting into this certain part of it, it sort of took me back to uh, a time when I was teaching the Blood Covenant, and, and uh, if you all know me, you know that's my thing, and I love teaching the Blood Covenant. So the Lord kind of took me back to that in an area of the Blood Covenant this last couple of weeks, and, and I'm just believing it's going to bless you the way that it's blessed me. So we're going to begin today uh, with John 19, 25 through 30. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when, James, or when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour on, the disciple, and that's John, speaking of John, took her into his own home. And after this, Jesus, after this, Jesus, after what? Well, after Jesus had gone to the cross, after he had shed his blood on that cross, after he had made sure that his dear sweet mama was being taken care of, after that, it says Jesus, knowing all things, I'm going to let that rest on you just a moment. Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled said, I thirst. I want you all to say all things were now accomplished. 
All things were now accomplished. And as I looked at those words this week, I thought, you know, he's talking about all things. He's not talking about some of the things. He's not talking about part of the things. He's, talk he's not even talking about a huge percentage of the things to be accomplished. He's talking about all things. Amen. All things have been accomplished. And Pastor, I, after studying this for two weeks, I just kind of got it in my heart that if we taught this every Sunday, that it would still take us an eternity to begin to understand the depths of it. Amen. Because it is so rich. It is so full. It is so far-reaching. And it is so pregnant with meaning that our finite minds will never be able to understand the depths of it. And if we individually just took this on as a study and studied it every day for the rest of our lives, we will not be able to understand the depths and the meaning of the all things that Jesus accomplished by going to the cross. Now, having said that, I say go for it, you know. <laughs> I got a little dry mouth problem this morning, so you're all going to have to just bear with me. Because if you wanted to study that, that all things that were accomplished, that would be a magnificent Bible study. That would be a tremendous Bible study. And... You know, so just like I said, just go for it. Get into the Word of God. Look up all things that are accomplished and begin to get into the different things, the different uh, places that you can look and the different teachings and just begin to, to look at that because all things were accomplished. Praise God. Now, you may do that study, but you're never going to end that study. But you're going to be blessed on the journey. Amen. Okay. Uh, verse 29, let's go on with that. It says, Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine. They put it on hyssop, and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, this is another one of those statements, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And as I was reading this and studying this, I thought how the disciples must have felt. You know, as they stood there looking up at their Savior, looking at, the, looking at the man that they loved so much, looking at the man that they had called Lord, the one they had called Master, the one that they had walked with for three years and the one that they had set their belief system in, and the one who they had watched do the miracles. I mean, the eyes were beginning to see. He spit in some, in some clay or some mud, and he put it in the guy's eye, and, and he began to see. And ears began to hear. And the lame began to walk, Kathy. They got up and they began to walk. They had seen the miracles that Jesus done. They had heard the word that he had preached. It was a word like none other they had ever heard. And yet here he was, hanging on a cross, stripped naked, beaten beyond recognition, the word says, and the last words coming out of his mouth was, it is finished. And I could almost hear their hearts drop as they listened to these words. I mean, what does he mean it's finished? You know, what does he mean? They, they were totally without understanding. What can he possibly mean that it is finished? Were those last three years of my life wasted? I thought, I thought he was going to set up a new kingdom, 
on this earth that was going to be free from the oppressive rule of the Roman government. That's, that was their thinking, Royce. That's what was going to happen. And yet here he is, he's hanging on this cross, he's bloody, he's naked, and he's dying, and he's saying, it's finished. Can you just imagine that? I mean, that would, just, that would blow anybody's mind. But I want to tell you today that but when Jesus said it is finished, he was not saying, he was not saying I'm finished. <clears throat> he was saying it is finished. So what the disciples and what everybody standing around thought was probably the end was actually the beginning. It was the beginning of a new life, a life that was in right standing with God, a life that was in right relationship with God. It was a life that was filled with the fullness of God, with the protection of God, with the blessings of God, with the provision of God and the grace of God. It was a new dispensation. It was a dispensation of grace now. They were no longer under the law. They were now under the law of grace. It is finished was not the cry of a victim as many may have thought, but it was a declaration of a victor. And I don't think, now this is just my take on this, okay? It's just my perspective, but I don't think when Jesus hung there on that cross and having gone through everything he'd gone through and having accomplished everything that he had gone through, I don't, I don't, I can't see in my mind's eyes Jesus just dropping his head and saying, it is finished. That's, like I said, that's just my perspective on that. You may have your own. But I believe when Jesus cried, it is finished, he was declaring that God's work of redeeming mankind, that work of bringing man back into relationship with him, that work that brought us out from the power of sin and death was finished. Amen. It was done. It was a done deal. It is finished was the victory shout. It was the victory shout that was affirming that the battle, the battle for our souls, the battle for your souls, that battle was completely, fully, and for all time won. And those words not only rang in the ears of all of those people standing around that cross, but they rang down through the annals of time, Sarah. They, they rang into the spiritual kingdoms of heaven and hell. And I believe I like to picture things. I have a great imagination, which has been a hindrance and a good thing. You know. But anyway, <laughs> I can see this. I can see Jesus saying, I don't think he said it's finished. I think he went, it is finished. And that's what rang into the heavens, and that's what rang into hell. And I believe every angel in heaven stood up, wings went out. <laughs> I just see it. And they were just rejoicing. They were praising God. They were going, hallelujah to the Lamb. By those words, it is finished. Hallelujah. On the, on the flip side of the coin, I believe that every demon in hell... I believe every, that the devil in hell was shaking in his boots. He didn't know what it meant. I mean, I believe he didn't know what it meant fully. He had no way of knowing fully what it meant. But I tell you, those words rang. They rang 
Imagine that. Imagine, you know, having the Liberty Bell out there and ringing that thing as hard as you can ring it. That's how hard those words rang. It is finished. And Hebrews 9, 11 through 12 says, So Christ has now become the high priest over what? All the good things. There's a lot of alls in God, isn't there? Very few, very few times does he ever say few or, you know, whatever. He says all good things that have come. He, and he has entered that great, that great, perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hands and not part of this created world. Once. Once for all time, he took blood into the most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took his own blood. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And get this, get this, the last part. I love this. It said, and with it, he secured our salvation. Forever. Forever. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's a lot of doctrines out there, people. You, you can talk to most anybody and catch a different doctrine or a different part of a doctrine. You know, there's doctrines that once saved, always saved. There's doctrines that once saved, not so saved. You know, there's doctrines of this and doctrines of that. But I, if you've known me for very long, a lot of you people have, you'll know I have no problem speaking what I believe. And I believe that the Word of God is true. And I believe part of my doctrine is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he took his blood into that perfect, more beautiful sanctuary in the heavens and he, he took it right on in and presented it into the most holy place for me. And by that, he secured my salvation forever. Forever. It says once, once for all time. Hallelujah. If you've ever studied back in the, in the Old Testament about the, you know, uh, the Jews, they had, they had to take, the Hebrew pre people had to, I'm getting all tongue-tied here, they had to take sacrifices every year. And, and you know, it was it was calves, it was goats, it was doves, it was, you know, whatever. They had to take it in, and those sacrifices are made for the sins of the people. Every year, every year, they had to pack up the kids. Every year, they had to put the food in a basket, had to climb on that donkey. Again, my imagination. And they would go, and they would have the sacrifices made, and for that year, their sins were taken care of. <laughs> Jesus said, once, just once, for all time, glory, hallelujah. People, Jesus taking his blood one time was enough. 
It was enough. He'll never have to go to the cross again. He'll never have to shed his blood again. He'll never have to present his blood as the ultimate sacrifice in the most holy place because he's already did it once and for all time. His blood is enough. And some of you needed to hear that today. His blood is enough. You're not ever going to need anything else. You know, a few years ago, I got a phone call um, from a young man that I had gone to church with for years. And a lot, you know, just a young guy. And he had called me, and he was struggling terribly. And in his faith and in his Christian walk, and as we began to talk, you know, and I was asking him what was going on in his life and stuff, and, and it didn't take very long for me to realize that he was absolutely drowning in condemnation. And so we talked some more, and I kept saying, you know, uh, you know, he said, I said, finally, I said, um, have, you, have you accepted Jesus Christ? Have you truly asked him to come into your heart? And, and, and I pretty much knew that he had because I was there when he did it, you know, and, which doesn't mean anything, but, uh, but I was pretty sure he had. But I wanted to hear him speak it with his mouth. And I said, have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? And he goes, well, yes, I did when I was a little guy. And he said, and I even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I even spoke in tongues. He would even laid hands on people just so they were healed as a child. So I, I knew pretty much that he was saved, but I wanted him to say it. I wanted him to say it. And he said, but I don't feel saved. He said, and then the word, next words came out of his mouth was, I'm afraid. I'm not saved. And I said, why do you feel that way? And he said, I just, I just don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think I've done enough for the kingdom of God. And I let him talk for a little bit. He just wanted, I just want him to talk. I wanted to see what was going on. So I let him talk for a little bit, and he... He shared some other things with me, and then, and finally, I just sort of, you know, butted in, and I said, "Okay, okay, let me get this straight." I said, "So, you have asked Jesus to come into your heart?" And he goes, "Yes, I did that." And I said, "And you were baptized with the Holy Ghost?" And he goes, "Yes, yes, I was." And I said, "And so, what you're telling me then?" is that the blood of Jesus was not enough. And you could have heard a pin drop on the other end. I made total silence. And, and he finally said, you know, he said, I never thought of it that way before. He never thought about that that by his, by his words and by his actions and by his thoughts, that he, he was saying that the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. And I was saying, hey, the blood of Jesus is everything. The blood of Jesus is all sufficient. We don't need anything else. And, and, you know, and I, I praise God for that conversation that I had with him that day because it opened the door for me to go ahead and to share with him that you cannot add anything to the blood of Jesus. You know, you can't add 
any thoughts, any, you can't add your words, you can't add actions, you can't add anything to the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is all sufficient. The blood of Jesus is effective for all time. Once and for all time he shared that. And it and it alone secured our salvation forever. Now, Philippians, the second chapter, tells us how that, that Christ Jesus had left his deity in heaven and he had come to earth clothed in humanity and he died the death of the cross so that we not only would be freed from the power of sin and death, but that we would be set back into right relationship with him, that we would be set back into right standing with him. And Jesus came to this earth, folks, on a rescue mission, if you want to look at it like that. And the devil probably thought it was mission impossible. But I tell you, it was mission accomplished. All things, all things that God had planned for Jesus to do so that we could be sitting here today singing about his mercy, singing about his goodness, singing about his amazing grace, sharing the word of God, fellowshipping with one another. All those things were accomplished. Praise God. And he left nothing undone. He did everything to the fullest measure till its fullest completion. He gave us victory over life. He gave us victory over death. He gave us victory over sin. He gave us victory over the enemy. And that's why we can sing that old song, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. He sought me. He sought me, and he bought me. He paid the price. He bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me before I ever knew him. And all my love is due him. And he plunged me to victory beneath that cleansing flood. Hallelujah. At that point, it is finished was a sign that the devil's chokehold on humanity was brought to naught. It is finished. Now, I want to share a nugget with you that I learned a few years ago, and some of you have heard me preach on this before, but it's been a blessing to my life every time I get into it. It's a single word, but in the original Greek language, there is only one word for that final statement of Jesus. There's only one word. For it is finished in the Greek. But when they translated it into English, it was three words. It is finished. And, but back in the day, back in the days of the Greeks, when they spoke that word, it was one word. And that word was tetelestai. Hallelujah. <laughs> tetelestai. I say, I've, I've spoke this over many people's lives. You know, tell us I, <laughs> and you're going to understand why in a minute, because it's an amazing, amazing word. It was a very important word in the Greek test, and it carries with it an ocean of meaning. And again, just like the thing I was talking about before, about all things being accomplished, we can never begin to comprehend the depths of what tetelestai mean. I'm, I may not even be pronouncing it right. I don't know. It sounds good. We'll go with it. Some of the definitions are complete, done, finished, accomplished, victorious, conquered. And my favorite definition of all time is paid in full. Yeah. 
paid in full. Tetelestai, as I said, was a common word to the Greeks. And it was applied to various different things in their lives. But mostly, it was applied when referring to the debt that a person owed. And when that person was able to finally pay off their debt, there was a sign that hung above their door, and it said, Tetelestai. The debt is paid. It is finished. The debt is done. It was paid in full. And the greatest thing is, no one could ever charge that debt to their account again. Hallelujah. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. Oh, glory. I got goosebumps all over me. Who raised Christ from the dead? You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you all your sins. And guess what? Guess what? He canceled the record of the charges against you. And he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. In this way, in what way? By taking it away. By nailing it to the cross that way. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and, and the authorities. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. <laughs> the record's been taken away. It's been nailed to the cross. The devil has nothing on you. Why? Well, there's no record of it. There's no record of it. I know. Did you see that? Did you get that? Pastor, we need to get this. The church needs to get this. That the record of charges that was against us has been done away with. It's gone. There was a record of charges against you. There was a record of the sins that you committed. There was a record of the debt that you owed. And I don't mean to sound arrogant. I don't. But I don't need anybody telling me what was on my record of charges. I don't. And I don't need anybody telling me what sins I had committed. I don't need anybody to tell me the debt that I owed. I always knew I was far away from God. I didn't always care. You know, before I came to Christ, I, I didn't care. But I knew it. I always knew that I was far away from God. But then you know what happened? One day... See if I can get through this without bawling. One day, I was at home alone in my sin. <laughs> and I was making Todd's bed. Kids were in school. I was all alone. And I was leaned over making the bed. And the Spirit of God flooded that room. 
flooded it. It didn't trinkle in. It didn't sort of flow in. It instantly flooded that room. Yesterday I went back into that room, <laughs> as I often do, but I, I just went back in that room and I stood in the very spot that when the Holy Spirit came in and he flooded that room with so much love, so much mercy. And I fell across Todd's bed sobbing, sobbing, crying, crying. I didn't think I could ever stop crying. And I begged God for his forgiveness. And I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart that day. As I lay there sobbing on that bed, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he did. But you know what else happened? My debt got paid in full. <laughs> the debt that I owed got paid in full. And the record of charges that condemned me was done away with because Jesus took him to the cross. And when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, he just looked into that, <laughs> that record of charges. And he went, mm, done away with. Done away with. Doesn't exist. The record of charges doesn't exist against you any more. Tetelestai. An awesome word. Tetelestai. So if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, I want to share with you today that for every situation in your life, for every sin you ever sinned, for every wrong you ever wronged, for everything you ever did wrong, that word tetelestai applies. Because for every situation of your life that was wrong, there is a sign that now hangs above the, the, the door of your heart, the door of your soul. And that sign reads tetelestai, debt paid in full. Only you didn't have to pay it, you see. Jesus was the one that paid that price. The price for your redemption has been totally and completely and to its fullest measure paid in full. And no one has the authority, no one has the authority to ever bring that sin to your account again, to bring that charge to your account again. Now, people will try. People will try. The devil will certainly try. You know that. But when he does, you just need to stand up and go, see this? This is the sign above the door of my heart. And it says, Tetelesta. It says, it is finished. It says, the debt has been paid in full. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got excited in this day. This is my stuff, Pastor. This is, this is what I know. This is where I know my anointing is, okay? It's been going on for a few years now, about 40. So, But I get excited when I talk about the blood of Jesus because it, it bought my redemption. It was all paid in full. My sin is no longer exists because it was taken to the cross. And when I think about the Apostle Paul, I think about the fact that, that he stood before the, the Jewish leaders and, and he said, I have wronged no man. What? You know, it's like, are we talking about the same man? You know, is this, is this actually 
Saul or is this Paul? You know? No, that was Saul that had wronged people. But you know what? Paul was a new creation in Christ Jesus. All, all things have been done away with, and now all things were of God. He was a new creation. So he could stand there, even though he had held the jacket of Stephen when, when Stephen was being stoned to death, and even though he had, with papers, he had gone and he had gotten the Christians and he had arrested them and he had taken them for prosecution. And they were killed and they were beaten. And yet he stood there and he said, I've harmed no man. I've wronged no man. <laughs> How could he do it? Well, because the record of charges against him had been canceled. They were gone. They were taken to the cross. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now. When? Now. now. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You can't be condemned. You can't. You can allow the devil to try to condemn you with what you used to do in the past, but there is now, now today, no more condemnation on you because if you are in Christ Jesus. The record of the charges have been taken away. They've been nailed to that cross, and they no longer exist. And like I said, every time the enemy comes in and tries to, to rob you of the fullness of life that God gave you, you just need to say, Tetelestai. Paid in full, you know. We should shout it as Jesus shouted it and let the devil know that he can never charge that sin to our account again. And pastor, I think that is the problem with a lot of the Christians is we're, we're taking those sins of the past that have already been paid for, those things that no longer belong to us, and we're walking in them. We're walking in them. Chelsea touched on that this morning when she got them shared. We don't have to walk in the, in the old Karen. I don't, I don't have to walk the old Karen because Karen is now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Those old things, those old sins, those old debts, those old charges that were against me are done away with. They were taken to the cross by Jesus and his blood poured off that cross and they covered that record of charges. It would be like blood pouring down and covering these notes. And they were done away with. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. That word, tetelestai, so perfectly captures the entire redemptive work of Christ. That one word captures the entire redemptive work of Christ. And it paints a beautiful picture of Christ standing with arms outstretched. One arm stretched this way, going way back. Way, way back. Way back to the very first sin in the garden. And all the way forward. All the way back. All the way forward. And in those arms, he gathered up every sin, every despicable, every dirty, every immoral, every impure, every lie, every cheat, every thief, every rapist, every everything, every, every wrong that was ever done in the world, every wrong he left nothing behind. There was no sin that was too bad for him to, 
to leave it behind. He took it all and he took it into himself. And Romans tells us, I believe it's Romans, I don't have it written down, but, but it's like, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. He gathered up every wrong that sin had ever done. And he gathered up every hurt. He gathered up every sickness. He gathered up every pain that sin has ever caused. Every debt that sin had made. And when he gathered it up, like I said, he brought it in himself. He took it into himself. It's hard for us to picture that, isn't it? He took it into himself. Inwardly, into his spirit. He took that into himself. And at that point, at that moment, when he had gathered up all the ugliness, all the horrible, horrendous, hideous things of the world, he said, it is finished. And at that moment, your debt, your debt for those things, your debt because you had lied, your debt because you had cheated, your debt because you had been immoral, your debt because you had been perverse, your debt because of any of those things, any hideous sin you have ever done, that debt was now paid in full. And the record of it, where is it? It is no more. I love Isaiah 43, 25. This is so cool. It said, God speaking, said, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and I'll never even think of them again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Johnny's never going to even thank him. The Bible tells us that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God threw your sins. They're gone. Oh, people, let's get a hold of this. We need to get a hold of this. Sin doesn't hold us back. We've got power over sin. But our minds hold us back. Our minds hold us back. Our minds tell us that we're not completely redeemed. <laughs> Our minds tell us that we're not maybe quite that new creation that the Bible says we ought to be because we're still, as that young man told me, I don't feel that I'm good enough. I don't feel like I do enough in the kingdom of God. <coughs> the blood is enough. The blood is enough. And because of Jesus, there is a zero balance in the account of your life. Zero. Where's your sin? Let's, let's look at it. Let's look at these pages. Where's your sin? Well, I don't know. It says zero here. Zero balance. Hallelujah. Is this blessing anybody? Yes. You know, Glenn spoke a couple of weeks ago. He preached a, an incredible message. <clears throat> it really blessed my heart a lot in this, this teaching sort of sort of kind of came out from that. It sort of evolved into other things too. But the message that he was talking about then uh, was about the veil that has been lifted and that nothing now stands between you and God. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. 
New King James, that was the New Living Translation. The New King James Version says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Are you seeing the glory of God reflected? I need work on that. <laughs> I get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and I think this needs work, <laughs> you know, in every way possible. But, you know, you say, I want this for my life. I want to I be one of those people who reflect the glory of God. I want to be one of those people who has a zero balance in that record. I want that redemptive thing working in my life. And I, I want the charges of the sin that was against me. I want that to be gone. How do I do that? How do I do it? All you have to do is to receive this marvelous redemptive work that Jesus Christ has done in your life. All you have to do is to believe in Jesus Christ and to make him the Lord of your life. And I once heard it said, uh, it said it's so simple a child can do it. And yet it's so complex that the wisest person cannot comprehend it. That's why Jesus says, you know, let the little children come. Because their hearts are so open, you know. It's so easy for little children to come to God. They just believe. We can never totally understand the height or the depth or the breadth of God's love. But we know it's there. It prompted God's glorious plan of redemption. It was out of God's love that he even set out to redeem any of us because he loved us. He wanted us back in relationship. So this morning, if the worship team would come forward, do you mind? I know it's a little impromptu. <coughs> but some of you are, you, you just fit in that category. You're saying, I've, I've, I've been... You know, maybe, I, maybe some of you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're saying, I, I want that. You know, I want what that lady's talking about. I want to know that the charges, the record of charges of sin in my life is no more. Zero balance. You may want that. And if you do, I just, I invite you to come forward. And the other thing I felt like the Lord last minute as I was studying, he said, no, some of them just need to walk in more freedom. And that's not freedom to sin. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not freedom to sin. It's freedom to serve God. Freedom to serve God. So as, as the worship team does their beautiful thing, whatever they want to do, <laughs> they do it great. Uh, as they do their thing this morning, if there's anybody here that, that wants to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're just not sure, you're like that young man I talked to when you said, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. You know, to win God's love, to, to fully receive this redemption in my life, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. 
If you feel that way, I invite you to come forward. You do not have to go back out those doors today the same way you came in. And I love that. I love that in the twinkling of an eye, God can take that. He can take it from you. And if you feel like you're walking in condemnation, maybe the devil is just condemning you. He's beating you over the head. He's telling you that you're not good enough. He's telling you that you're just that same old sinful person you've always been. And you can't get it off. You can't get it off your head. You can't get it out of your mind. It just beats you. And you're just feeling condemned. If that's the case, then I invite you to come forward. And we'll, we'll pray with you today. We have people who know how to pray for salvation. And we have people who know how to pray for you to release that condemnation that might be on you. Thank you.